The views expressed in the following episode are those of the subjects interviewed or individual presenters from the case. They do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach Freaks LLC, the Invisible Choir podcast, or cast media. Reach Freaks. Invisible Choir explores detailed depictions of violence and murder and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I just really hope that anybody that, you know, has any information will come forward because I feel like there's got to be somebody that saw something. COVID-19. It's hard to believe that just over two years ago now, the virus hit the United States and changed the landscape of all of our lives forever. The majority of us had zero reason to believe that in January of 2020, a global pandemic was rapidly approaching, along with government-mandated lockdowns and some 5.52 million deaths and counting that would inevitably tragically come as a result worldwide. This new normal is anything but. Sanitizing groceries, hoarding toilet paper, and wearing masks in public are not things any of us expected to be doing. While we're trying our best to navigate what still feels like one of the most chaotic times to be alive historically, there's no denying it's taken a toll on all of us. Whether it be physically from the virus itself, perhaps you've lost a loved one, maybe you've lost your job, or maybe you've just lost hope. Whichever the case may be, we've all been involuntarily unified through this harrowing situation. We're all in this together, as the cliche Instagram hashtag goes. And as nice and comforting as this all sounds, some chose to take an opposing line of thinking when this societal shift began to occur. A quote, every man for himself mentality, if you will. So what happens when an already mentally unstable citizen turns on the news to see the headlines of death, destruction, and disease? What if this particular individual already lacked trust in his or her government and was beginning to believe the end truly was near? On this week's episode, we attempt to make sense of one man's delusions, denials, and ultimately his decline, when he used one of the world's biggest health calamities as a convenient cover-up for his vicious and perplexing acts of violence. March 2020, the coronavirus was just beginning to sweep our nation and the world. Residents of multiple states told to go home and stay home as the coronavirus crisis explodes across the nation, affecting at least 76 million people. The orders, which if violated could include a civil fine, means all non-essential businesses must close. Stay-at-home orders were being declared almost daily, and no one quite knew what to think. But it became evident rather quickly that whatever was happening, it was serious. As residents of Jupiter, Florida were preparing for lockdown among countless others, they reached out to loved ones to check up on one another. But there was one woman residing among this Palm Beach County suburb that no one could seem to get a hold of, 51-year-old Gretchen Anthony. There were no responses to text messages, and each phone call would go directly to voicemail. It wasn't like Gretchen to just go silent all of a sudden like this. After several days of concern and still no word from her, friends and family suddenly began receiving strange texts from Gretchen out of the blue, beginning on Monday, March 23rd, 2020. Good morning. Awoke to shortness of breath. Checked into the ER. Awaiting test kits, hopefully by 10 a.m. Wish me luck. I'll keep you posted. This message was sent to Gretchen's 12-year-old daughter, Eva, after the girl had been trying to get a hold of her mother for days. The following texts then went out to close friends and even Gretchen's boss, after she hadn't shown up for work. I consulted with the virus screening hotline and admitted myself into the Jupiter Medical Center's emergency room. Good morning. Tested positive for coronavirus early this morning. That means I have to stay here for at least two weeks. It also means our house is quarantined for two weeks. 
don't worry, this medical facility is the best place I can be. All they do is treat coronavirus cases. Good morning. Sorry for the early text. The coronavirus is causing my right lung to work extra hard to help me to breathe. No visitors, no phone calls. And I'm limited to little cell phone use because the doctors think the radiation from my phone is causing my immune system to not fight the virus like it should. Hi. After checking into the ER today, I passed out due to high fever, 102, and low oxygen levels. Because it was an acute case, they transferred me to an off-site medical facility being run directly by the CDC and Coronavirus Task Force. Hundreds of texts went out to co-workers, friends, and family alike, but not once did Gretchen answer her phone. In her latest correspondence, she said she was being taken to Belle Glade, Florida, where there was a treatment center specifically for those with acute cases of COVID-19. At first glance, it wasn't extremely far-fetched to think that Gretchen could have caught the virus. But Belle Glade was over an hour away in central Florida. Gretchen was described as a, quote, beacon of health, and she was in great physical shape. Then again, this virus was so very new at the time. The only information the public had was the fear being sent into their homes by a local cable television. But from her mechanical and robotic-like texts, those who knew her best were certain that something was off. Gretchen amicably shared custody of her 12-year-old daughter, Eva, with her first husband, Jeff. Gretchen and Eva's relationship was closer than most mothers and daughters. Sending a few alarming messages and never actually speaking to Eva on the phone was the first red flag for Jeff. He, too, was receiving these strange paragraphs while watching their daughter. The severity of her described condition, as well as the precise medical jargon used in the messages, raised even more eyebrows among her peers. If you speak with someone often, you can identify certain idiosyncrasies, characters, or common phrases unique to that person, things they say or do on a regular basis. But Gretchen was not one to use this type of verbiage. Things just weren't adding up, and it wasn't long before these peculiarities turned to extreme worry. Gretchen's loved ones soon decided they needed to contact the Jupiter Police Department, and fast. After gaining what information they could from the family, the first step for police was to check patient records at Jupiter Medical Center, where Gretchen originally claimed she had sought treatment. But Gretchen Anthony had never been admitted to the hospital. There was no indication that she'd ever been in the ER at all, in fact. That is, until police located her vehicle in the parking lot. After discovering her dark blue Mini Cooper, authorities noticed that her purse was still sitting in plain sight, but there were no signs of the missing woman anywhere. Police then followed up on the CDC-run treatment center in Belle Glade, Florida, that Gretchen claimed she had been transferred to. However, they quickly learned there was no treatment center in Belle Glade. They then tried to contact Gretchen's recently estranged husband, David Anthony, but as it turns out, he was conveniently missing as well. It was at this point that authorities knew they had a serious problem on their hands, and they became desperate for any clues that may lead them to either Gretchen or David's whereabouts. Gretchen Anthony moved from New Jersey to Jupiter, Florida in 2006. After working eight years as a teacher, she decided it was time for a career change. She began working as a human resources representative for an electrical company named Viking Utility. She was charismatic, hardworking, and a joy to be around. After her first divorce, she continued dedicating her efforts towards her daughter and began frequenting a local gym. This is where she would meet David Anthony, a young new trainer who had just started working at the Orange Theory Fitness branch in Stewart, Florida. That's David before an upcoming training session. 
He was outgoing and brought a fun energy to the gym, an energy that seemed to complement Gretchen's. She was smitten with David almost immediately and began taking his personal training classes soon after. He was tall, charming, and had a great smile. He also played basketball overseas in St. Petersburg at one point, and even had a big husky named Kobe, named after the late, great Kobe Bryant. What's not to love, right? Gretchen felt she'd finally struck gold meeting David, especially after a few rough years following her divorce. The exciting new love interest was welcomed, and in 2014, the two were eventually engaged to be married, and only one year later, they tied the knot in Las Vegas, Nevada. Pictures on Facebook show the two laughing, rock climbing, biking, and seemingly living their best lives. But as we all know, people tend to only let others see what they want them to on their social media channels. Things weren't as loving as they appeared online. The first few years of the marriage were great by all accounts, but slowly friends of Gretchen noticed David becoming more and more controlling and even verbally abusive. Things began escalating to a point of manic outbursts from her husband. He often spoke of the quote, end of times, and during one incident in 2018, he abruptly loaded his truck with canned goods, bags of rice, approximately 10 pairs of sneakers, and an extensive amount of cookware. It's unclear where exactly he thought he was going, but Gretchen decided that it was best if David was anywhere but inside of her home. She couldn't help him, and he refused to seek professional treatment for his deteriorating mental health. So in 2019, they separated. I wish him well and hope he learns how to deal with his mental issues. I feel bad that I couldn't help, but I think he needs to learn how to love himself before he can love anyone, something he might not experience in his lifetime. Gretchen texted this to a friend during the separation. They got back together for a bit as most couples do amidst a breakup, but it just wasn't working out. Gretchen even became so fearful for her safety at one point that she ended up purchasing a surveillance system installing cameras all throughout her property. David was erratic, to say the least, and his actions were unpredictable. I'm watching him on the cameras and waiting for him to go to bed. Then I'll go downstairs and get a knife to put under my pillow, just in case, and hopefully get some sleep. She texted this to her good friend and boss, Don Paris, one night after David was acting strangely inside of the residence. But the last straw for Gretchen came on Christmas Eve of that year, when she ended up going through a backpack of his. The contents of the bag included several of Gretchen's credit cards, her passports, her driver's license, her wedding ring, and some cash. She didn't know what this meant, but it frightened her enough to kick David out for good. So that was that. David and his dog, Kobe, moved in to David's mother's home, and on February 28, 2020, Gretchen officially filed for divorce. After learning the concerning backstory of this tumultuous relationship, police quickly began looking at David Anthony as a suspect rather than a missing person himself, but they still had no idea where he was. Upon further investigation, they realized that David Anthony had a run-in with the law just a few days prior to his ex-wife's disappearance. After a call came in that a man was harassing a young woman at a strip mall parking lot in Riviera Beach, Florida, Police responded to find David Anthony walking suspiciously around the premises, next to his black Nissan truck. Body cam footage and audio were captured from that incident. You okay? Not really. Police noticed that David's license plate was crudely covered up with black electrical tape as a means of disguising the numbers. When asked about this, Anthony quickly lunged toward his truck and into the driver's seat. Officers drew their service weapons as David reached for something underneath him. His dog, Kobe, was also inside of the vehicle. Get out! Now! Get out! He's got a dog in the car. Assisting me! Sir! Flat on your face! Out like an airplane! Drop it! Drop it! Whatever it is, drop it! Drop it! Stop resisting me! After a brief struggle, Anthony is ripped from the truck and brought to the ground. Sorry, you guys scared me, that's all. I was scared you guys were going to get, I like, that I was going to run, so then I turned on, but he was hot, so I, I turned it back on. That's that's my, that's I got my, my After finally getting the situation under control, 
David lay on his stomach while police searched the truck. A large hunting knife held in a long sheath was found underneath the driver's seat. David claimed he was just trying to turn the AC on for his dog, Kobe. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. We're going to stand up. All right. He was placed under arrest and Kobe was brought to an animal shelter to be held temporarily. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job and we have to find out who did they kill? If it's possible, how are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. March 25th, 2020. It's now been several days since anyone had last heard from Gretchen Anthony. Police arrived at her residence on Sunshine Drive to do a welfare check, but as expected, no one answered. They canvassed the property until a neighbor approached the officers from across the street. Really serious woman scream, like um, just screaming like she was being attacked. And then I heard her scream, no. And then I heard something about it hurts, stop it. The scream was really serious. After this conversation, the suspicion that Gretchen may have been harmed was only solidified. The woman told authorities she'd heard screams coming from the home just days before, in the early morning hours of March 21st, but she never notified police. After interviewing another neighbor, they learned that a soapy, foam-like substance had been seen running down the driveway from inside of Gretchen's garage, though the garage door itself remained closed. This activity was reported to have been seen only hours after the first witness reported hearing screams. And while no one had called 911 at the time, one neighbor did take photographs. Those images captured a suspicious black Nissan truck parked out in front of Gretchen's home. The vehicle had a bicycle along with a large amount of clutter in the bed, covered by a dark tarp and bungee cord. Without question, this was David Anthony's truck, Police now had enough evidence to obtain a search warrant and forced entry to the residence. What they found inside was even more unsettling than anyone had anticipated. A smashed picture frame. Clothing balled up with what appeared to be blood-like stains on the fabric. Spots of apparent blood on Gretchen's comforter, more stained towels in the dryer, and an overpowering smell of bleach coming from the garage. A cadaver dog repeatedly hit on a concentrated area there on the concrete floor. Police then realized there were wires hanging out of the garage wall, as well as on the exterior of the property. They appeared to be from surveillance cameras that had apparently been ripped off, and upon further investigation, They learned that while the cameras themselves had been removed, whoever destroyed them neglected to consider that the footage may still exist on the backup cloud server. Police quickly handed this finding over to forensic specialists, while also awaiting footage to come back from Jupiter Medical's parking lot cameras. If they could find out who parked Gretchen's Mini Cooper there in the lot, they'd be one step closer to finding Gretchen. During the interim of processing this crucial evidence, Authorities visited David Anthony's mother's home, where he had been living since their divorce. Jupiter Police. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jupiter Police. Sorry to bother you. Yeah. Is David home? No. Okay. Are you his mother? mother? Okay. All right. We're just trying to get in touch with him. Um, it's involving his wife. I think they're separated. Gretchen? Right. Okay. Have you heard from David recently? No. Is he staying here? No. I say that because Gretchen's been in touch with me because she's in the CDC center. She has the virus. Okay, what CDC center is she at? I don't know. She texted me this morning and said she was in there. Why? What's going on? Uh, She didn't say where she was. She just said she was at a CDC center. 
I have the text. Would you like to see it? I would love to. Thank you. All right. No problem. As David's mother falls back into the residence to retrieve her cell phone, you can hear the officer state to his partner that the CDC center she speaks of doesn't actually exist. When's the last time you heard or seen uh, your son, David? I've been trying to get in touch with him. He's not answering me. What's today? Today's Wednesday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Why, what's going on? You're scaring me. Well, I don't know. I watch a lot of criminal shows, so this is like spooky. I don't know, yeah. So her family, uh, uh, Gretchen's family, received a similar text like that this morning. Right. And they're saying it's not like her. It's very odd and that she would not be sending a text like that. And then her phone's off right now. So, and there's some other odd circumstances too. So, um, and uh, can you try calling David? I don't know. Have you tried reaching out to him recently? Well, what's weird is I'm mad at him. So I had turned off his phone. Oh, he's, uh, let's see. I'm 64. He's 44. Sorry. I just can't think. There's a noticeable sense of surprise in the officer's voice after he learns that David, a 44-year-old man, has been having his mother pay his cell phone bill. It was later determined that he'd lost his position as a physical trainer due to his bizarre outbursts while on the job. Outbursts that were mainly directed towards women. Attempting to gain as much information as they can, David's mother reveals that her son had recently joined a group called, quote, Gratitude Training. Oh, he joined this gratitude training group. What is that? It's a group that I didn't understand much. I went to a graduation and thought that it seemed like it was, um, you know, a good meditation type group, whatever. It's on 45th Street. And he was doing a lot of things for them. What do you mean you went to a graduation? It was called a graduation. Was it like a, a counseling, a group counseling type thing? That's what's weird. I asked them what's it about and you know because I was curious I thought isn't this great he's doing good and he's happy so I thought I want to know what what's up and yeah. they wouldn't tell me okay well yeah. they said you have to go do a course so my son was going to set me up with a course mm-hmm. and I told him hey look I just want to know what it's about I'm not going to sign up for a course and I could swear that he spent thousands of dollars really? hmm. thousands of dollars The Gratitude Training Group, in short, is a form of large group awareness training that supposedly promotes self-awareness and becoming the best version of oneself. They've been known to use bizarre tactics, such as having participants pretend to be a panhandler, supposedly in a bid to teach humility. They've also had members go to restaurants and speak with invisible friends that they've brought as their guests, or ordering meals for non-existent people. A lot of these groups have been labeled pyramid schemes and even cults by several former members, described as a scam that's packaged as a form of meditation and healing. The relevance of this information for police was to try to figure out if David, in fact, had enough funds to carry out what his mother says he's planning to do next. So he was going to Costa Rica because all this virus stuff was like invading the country and he has a history of being kind of ill and I can't really get more into that but nothing surfaced for years he was doing great this virus stuff I don't know what's happened this is all like really crazy plus I looked it up and saw the how far it was was he only going there because of the COVID-19 yeah kind of he was listening to his iPads iPods a bunch you know to all these podcasts towards the end and I thought I wonder if something made him, like, get, like, weird or something. This situation had instantly become more dire than it already was. David's mother confessed that her son was possibly en route to Costa Rica. More evidence was simultaneously coming in, and it was established from data records that David Anthony was not even this man's original birth name. His name was actually David Deutsch and it had been changed to Anthony after a few run-ins with law enforcement years before. He'd once held up and robbed a blockbuster video store, and had even done a small stint in jail for assaulting a police officer. It was clear that he was trying to outrun his past, but what's unclear is if Gretchen ever knew this version of the man 
she'd once married. That is, until it was too late. More and more women were coming forward. An ex-girlfriend who once dated David for a very short time told authorities that after she'd asked him to leave her residence during one incident, he still proceeded to move in anyway. He began stashing canned goods in her cabinets, along with several frozen items in her freezer. Mind you, this was after one month of dating. Naturally, David was again asked to leave and eventually complied. Another individual expressed that after dating David briefly herself, he decided to get down on one knee. But instead of proposing, and while holding the woman's hand, he looked up at her and reportedly said, I'd like to break up with you in order for you to have time to become the person I want you to be. This stunt sounds like a potential gratitude training technique that David must have picked up along the way. The woman reportedly and rightfully replied back by asking him, quote, What the fuck is wrong with you? If this wasn't enough cause for concern, a third woman came forward. She explained how David tried to make sexual advances on her in the middle of their first date during a public wine and painting night. After being humiliated and rejecting the perverted act, David stood up and began screaming at her. A more clear picture of just how unbalanced David Anthony truly had become was finally coming into focus. Be that as it may, there were still no signs of him, and more importantly, no signs of his ex-wife, Gretchen. Missing Person The Jupiter Police Department is asking for your help with any information regarding the whereabouts of Gretchen S. Anthony. Detectives are still actively investigating her disappearance as outlined in the events below. On March 26, 2020, the Jupiter Police Department responded to the residence of Gretchen Anthony after members of her family reported her missing. As the investigation progressed and further evidence was collected, it is believed David E. Anthony is responsible for her disappearance. Gretchen's vehicle, a dark blue Mini Cooper, was recovered in the parking lot of the Jupiter Medical Center. However, Gretchen was not located within this area. During the investigation, a cadaver dog was utilized and alerted within the residence of Gretchen Anthony. Investigators are still trying to locate the whereabouts of Gretchen Anthony and are hoping the public may have seen or heard something related to this case. Other identifiable information. David Anthony frequently took his dog with him to public places. A black and white husky, as seen in the photo. We are urging anyone with information about this case to call the Jupiter Police Department. This missing persons alert was posted to the Jupiter Police Department's Facebook page. As law enforcement was becoming more desperate by the day, and as this case turned into a full-on manhunt, some of the surveillance images had finally come back. The cameras from the Jupiter Medical Center had shown a shadowy figure, someone who was over six feet tall, parking the Mini Cooper and then swiftly walking away on foot into the darkness. This was just hours before friends and family began receiving strange text messages allegedly from Gretchen. As a point of reference, David Anthony was six foot seven. Just then, investigators got their first real break in the case. They were able to ping David's phone in the Pensacola, Florida region, some 600 miles west of Jupiter. But just as they'd obtained a general location, he'd turned his phone off. Gretchen's phone would ping periodically as well, showing the same patterns as David's, on the same route. He was eventually caught on camera at a Wells Fargo ATM and was seen trying to sell jewelry at various pawn shops. Both phones again pinged in Pecos, Texas, and later in Las Cruces, New Mexico. If this man really was planning on taking the 3,400-mile, 69-hour drive to Costa Rica, he wasn't exactly taking the most direct route. But with the inability to turn on his GPS for extended periods of time, perhaps he got lost. After several attempts to contact David directly, he made the surprising move of sending Jupiter Police an email its contents basically stating that there was nothing to worry about, explaining that Gretchen was simply traveling with him and that she was alive and well. Police insisted they needed to speak with her in order to confirm if what David was telling them was in fact the truth. He responded by stating that Gretchen was afraid to speak to the police 
and that the two were leaving the county because of some illegal activity she'd uncovered at her work. David insisted that Gretchen feared for her life because of the secretive information she had apparently unearthed, thus creating a need for them to escape. Obviously, police weren't buying this story one bit, and eventually they were able to obtain a seizure warrant for David's truck. Then on March 29, 2020, with the assistance of the Las Cruces police, authorities were finally able to track Anthony down and pull over his black Nissan truck during a not-so-routine traffic stop. Put your hands up! Police ordered him out of the vehicle and stood him against a brick wall. When they asked David where Gretchen was, he had this to say. Um, last I heard, she was in a CDC facility getting treatment for coronavirus. After searching the truck, police found three cell phones inside, one of which belonged to Gretchen Anthony. They also found several broken surveillance cameras and two Amazon Echo devices. All of these items, along with the truck itself, were seized and taken into evidence for further analysis. Shockingly, they still didn't have enough to make an arrest. So, for the time being, David Anthony was allowed to walk free. And that's exactly what he did, on foot with his dog, Kobe, into the streets of Las Cruces, New Mexico. This clearly frustrated police as they knew they had their man but they couldn't blow their investigation and risk Anthony getting off later on some type of technicality. They needed more, and it wouldn't take long before they got it. Back in Jupiter, Florida, forensics had finally retrieved the cloud footage from Gretchen's home surveillance cameras. What the storage drive recovered was not pretty. On the morning of March 21st, 2020, at just after 6 o'clock in the morning, grainy footage can be seen of a tall man, over 6 feet tall, lurking in the shadows of Gretchen Anthony's back patio. Just then, a woman comes into the frame. Her voice can be heard saying, What are you doing? What happens next is beyond terrifying. The male figure lunges toward the woman, clasping his hand tightly around her mouth as she begins to scream. He then forces her into the side door of the garage. A second camera then picks up audio of a loud thud, followed by screams from inside of the garage. Alexa, turn on the garage lights. Gretchen screamed helplessly as her attacker continued to subdue her. Alexa, call 911. Soon her cries began to fade. The garage lights eventually came on, but a call for 911 never went out. Tragically, Gretchen would have needed to manually program her Amazon device to contact police through the voice command technology, and unfortunately, she had never done so. This was a resourceful last-ditch effort to save her own life. When the camera's picture did eventually become visible, and after all of the cries had completely ceased, a head full of matted blood-red hair could be seen at the tall figure's feet. When the man turned to notice the camera, there he was in crisp, 1080p high-definition video. Without a question, the identity of David Anthony was conclusively revealed. The video continues to show David wearing latex gloves while packing Gretchen's vehicle with various items as well as beginning to clean up the crime scene. He then reaches for the camera, rips it off the wall, and the video goes dark. Police now had more than enough evidence to make an arrest for murder, only they'd have to find David Anthony once again. Anthony had just walked free hours before. He could be literally anywhere by this point, yet with the swift actions of two police departments roughly 1,900 miles apart, authorities were able to locate their suspect quickly. One member of law enforcement who was crucial in this investigation from start to finish played a major role in finding him. Detective Kennerson. He'd taken the track from Jupiter to Las Cruces and had been the one corresponding with David via email all along. Kennerson would use the sense of trust he'd formed with a suspect to his advantage. Anthony foolishly continued to email the detective, inquiring about when he'd be able to get his truck back. This exchange was pivotal in finding his whereabouts, 
as police were able to track his IP address to a general location. And so, just before midnight on March 31st, 2020, David was located for a second time, walking his dog at Kobe outside of a convenience store in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Hey, David. Who are you? My name is Jared Kennerson. I'm a detective with the Jupiter Police Department. There's a warrant for your arrest, and I'm going to explain that when we get back to the... Excuse me? Homicide. For who? Who do you think? That's my last question. We'll talk about it at the headquarters, okay? David Anthony was placed under arrest and Kobe was brought to yet another animal shelter. But where was Gretchen? Authorities still didn't have a body and David wasn't giving up any information other than insisting that somehow Gretchen Anthony was still alive. Back at the Las Cruces State Police Headquarters, David Anthony was in handcuffs waiting to be questioned. Detective Kennerson, alongside his colleagues, would conduct the interview. We were assigned a case last Thursday, okay? We've been investigating this case Tuesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, until today, okay? Mm -hmm. It occurred at 1302 Sunshine Drive, okay? We have obtained enough evidence to obtain a warrant for your arrest for murder. Okay? I want you to understand that. She's a liar. I want you to understand that. And what's most important to us right now is to find out where she is. Yeah, I'd like to be able to tell you where she is. Okay. But I don't have that information. I have to ask her. I have to ask her? Okay. One of the first things David says is that Gretchen is unharmed. He actually says it a lot during this interview, 35 times to be exact. But police have more than a substantial amount of proof suggesting that this, unfortunately, is likely not the case. I told you that we've been working since Thursday. There's a team of 10 detectives who are working. We work every single day, almost all day and all night. Okay, there were search warrants written. And we gathered a lot of information that I'm sure you're not aware of. Okay, and I want to let you know that. What information? There was a neighbor that heard the entire incident on Saturday morning at 6.30. Who lives across the way? I want you to think about that real quick. What incident? The incident that occurred at Gretchen's home. You have to give me more information. Okay. There is a neighbor who observed her driveway covered in a bleach or cleaning product drenched coming out of the driveway, coming down the driveway and out of the garage. What does that have to do with me? You don't know anything about that? That's what I'm asking you. Okay. I saw your truck. Your vehicle on that morning, your truck, your Nissan black truck, with the gear in the back, with the tarp over the top, and with the bicycle hanging out the back, was at Gretchen's home Saturday morning at 6.30 in the morning when this incident occurred. What does that mean? Were you at Gretchen's residence last Saturday? <clears throat> at 6.30 in the morning? She just told me to sell my vehicle, so. I did. I did. I'm asking you to be truthful with us and tell us what happened. David continues to play dumb while trying to find out what the officers know or have against him. But what's most important here is that he is and continues talking. And, you know, if you have her phone and unlock her phone, you'll see, you know. Why do you have her phone? So I have her phone. Um, Well, she had her phone. Mm-hmm. So she was traveling with me okay. up until El Paso. And then what happened? Someone hacked her account. Someone was um, searching her phone. So. Well, if you were with with her in El, in El Paso, how did you become not to be with her? She, we were driving separate vehicles, so she she bolted. What car was she driving? I don't, I, I'm not. Like I said, I'm going to protect her and her mm-hmm. whereabouts because everyone can be bought. And as much as I know you guys are doing your job, 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've seen the other end of uh, manipulation of information to skew and or to try to uh, shape uh, an objective. So which was it? A non-existent CDC COVID-19 center in Belle Glade, Florida, or that Gretchen was traveling with him through El Paso. David starts providing conflicting statements almost immediately. He claims that he is simply protecting his ex-wife's anonymity from an alleged scandal that took place at her work. He tells police that she's still alive, in hiding, and is avoiding contact with authorities for her own safety. Gretchen's home has cameras throughout it. Were you aware of that? This is the first one I know of. The first time? First time. Because they're in your car. What are? Her cameras. No. The blank cameras? There's blank cameras in your truck. They're mine. Okay. They're yours because they came from Gretchen's house or they're yours because you bought them somewhere else? They're mine. They're yours. So you're familiar with how blank works? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So blank... Blank is a web-based system, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can destroy the cameras all you want. Mm -hmm. And there's still data and stored cloud storage from Blink. Do you understand that? That's what you're telling me, so yeah. Okay. There's video of you, David, at Gretchen's home on the morning of Saturday, last Saturday at 6.30 a.m. You said my, they saw my vehicle there. So. Yeah, not just your vehicle there. There's video inside her home when you made contact with her that morning, when you met with her. And, and that video shows something other than a pleasant interaction. Do you remember that? No, it's fine. You don't remember that? Mm-hmm. Detective Kennerson then produces an image of Gretchen's daughter, Eva, and slides it to him across the table. See her right there? Mm-hmm. She would like you to remember that. And that little girl would like to know where her mother is. They said we split up in El Paso, so you have to ask her. She didn't make it to El Paso. You have to ask Gretchen. Gretchen didn't make it to El Paso. She didn't go to El Paso with you. And then why are we having this conversation? Because we are trying to find that little girl's whereabouts of her mother. I told you where she was. Before you start making statements about what you think is what, this vehicle, this photo was taken at 6.30 in the morning by a neighbor on Saturday morning. And this vehicle, which is your vehicle, same vehicle, was at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday, the same Saturday. Could be. Okay, well, I'm going to explain to you right now. I'm going to tell you something right now, which is real life. Mm -hmm. I know you tell me that you don't remember that. There were cameras in the porch area of her home, which I told you captured not a pleasant interaction between you and Gretchen. Okay. Okay, I want you to think about that really, really hard right now. Okay? I know you think that those cameras that were in her home were gone and broken and taken down but they were not. I'm telling you that right now. They were stored in the cloud. Gerson's alive, I told you David, we really don't need you to tell us what happened. We already know what happened. It doesn't matter. We, we have that. We have what happened. Then what, what are we, we need to do? What are we doing? It's fine to her. What are we doing? We know what happened because the video tells us what happened, right? Okay. But So let's get past that. So, so, what happened? What, so what happened? You killed her. I just her. told you what happened. I, I told you this. Numerous times, she's still alive. There are no signs of life of Gretchen. Zero signs of life of Gretchen. Now, there's she zero. would never leave her daughter. Never. Well, when you're facing what she's facing, as far as what she uncovered, un- uncovered, you might change your tune. David, we know she's dead. We're, we we're, all know she's dead, and you know she's dead. We're just trying to help Ava then, out. And, then, then what's? Then what are we doing here? Exactly what we asked, what the, the thing that I asked you when we first sat down here is to find 
So if, you have, if you have all the information that you need, then I, I don't know what else. Ava would like for you to tell her where her mother's buried. Use Ava in we are. You see that little girl right there? I want you to look yes, at her. I love her too. Look at her. I know I you do. You know, then, look at her then, real good. Then, then why would I ever hurt her mother? David Anthony remains defiant until he eventually becomes irritated, challenging the detective to show him proof that Gretchen is in fact dead. Well, that's the narrative that you're going to try to No, it's not, because I have it on video. I have you on video killing her. Okay. So there is no narrative. It's black and white. You don't have video of me killing her. How do you know what we have? Show it to me. I just told you. Show me. Show it to me. You just dragged her. Show me the video. Show me the video. Show me the video. Her dead body is right there. Show me the video. I know that it exists. Okay, then so show it to me. Show it to me. You show it to me. Here. There's no COVID-19. There's nothing There's like no that. There's no COVID-19? No, there isn't. Because she never went to the hospital. There's no record okay. of her being at the hospital. That was so, all so, so you don't think she's sought alternate treatment somewhere else? No. But in the no. She doesn't trust the regular, in the, she doesn't trust the regular hospital system. In the CDC receiving facility in Belgrade? In the oils. In the Belgrade receiving facility where you told all of her parents she was? That's the information she gave me. This whole fictitious story about the COVID-19, there is no record of her being at any hospital for COVID-19. Okay. Zero record. Doesn't doesn't mean anything. It sure does. Doesn't mean anything. So you sure agree does. you made it up because she wanted you to. Doesn't mean anything. At one point, Kelly leaves the room. Though it's unclear if this is an intended tactic. Yet given Anthony's track record and his general outlook and demeanor towards women, this maneuver seems to make sense. Detective Kennerson uses the opportunity to play the buddy-buddy with Anthony. The two men then begin engaging in friendly small talk shortly thereafter, discussing basketball, solar energy, and of course, gratitude training. And I had this powerful energy experience through gratitude training where, mm-hmm. have you heard of it? I've heard about it. I know that you're involved in it. I don't know a lot about it. So basically, gratitude training helps you break through all the stuff, all the reasons why you hold yourself back. They help you break through that. Part of it's this transformation where a hundred people come and they do this thing called uh, cradle angels where they lift them up. Cradle angels? Cradle angels. Okay. So basically, you get underneath the person, you lift them up, and you put their hands out like they're angels. Yeah. So anyways, so I had to learn how to, like, I'm a left foot jumper. If you know anything about basketball, you're usually two feet or left or right. One foot jumper. Are you left-handed? No, I'm right-handed. But is that odd or not? No. So I had to learn how to like dunk with my left hand, jump off two feet, but it just got so bad that I just, it would take me like three or four days to recover. So you would, you would purposely do that because of that. I adjusted. I shifted. That's what I mean. Yeah. You shifted over to that. I learned how to play the game differently. To to accommodate yourself. And so you could keep playing. So I could keep playing. No, that's, that's, that's how it's your body's a commodity. Yeah, but that's what athletes do though. Clearly, the detective could give a shit about this man's glory days as a basketball player. He was simply stroking his ego, hoping to form some type of bond and eventually provoke a confession. This went on for a while, until Kennerson eventually left the room, leaving Anthony alone with his thoughts for nearly an hour, before returning with a voice recording from Gretchen's daughter, Eva. David, I'm going to play something for you. I need you to listen to me. David, Eva, I love you. I'm scared. I miss my mom. Please do the right thing and tell me to where my mom is. Please, I love you. David, it's Ava. I love you. I'm scared. I miss my mom. Sitting despondently with his head in his lap, refusing to believe that the voice heard on the recording is Eva. Well, I guess I just want to say anything else. Okay. Okay. I just wanted you to know. I'll ask for a lawyer. No problem. You know what I mean? I could have done that when I first walked in the building, but I tried to. I tried to cooperate with you because I and I appreciate that. And that was that. After nearly three hours of interrogation. David finally invokes his right to remain silent and asks for an attorney, thus concluding the interview. Police were still no closer to finding Gretchen than at the time of David's arrest, while Gretchen's family was left hanging in the balance, begging for answers. While being held in the Las Cruces jail, 
David Anthony was allowed to make and receive several phone calls to and from family members. One of the first calls recorded after his arrest occurred between David and his brother Trevor. The following audio shows just how unstable Anthony was, even weeks after Gretchen's disappearance. Yo. Fucking hey, holy shit. Yeah. No, I don't care. Like I said, it's all good. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, what's the status of the bondman? bondman? I, I just got off of work. I'm oh. trying to figure that out. I'm, try, right. I'm trying to figure it out. I got someone right else now. working on I got someone else working on so let me call them. Um, Mom wants to know, do you have your phone? I have my phone. Like, okay, because she's saying she'll turn it back on. She just wants to know that you have it and that you didn't get rid of it or something. No, I, I, okay, don't, I, don't, I don't. Actually, I don't want her to turn it back on. Tell her don't turn it back on. I'm okay. using a different... I, I can't explain. I'm using like a an app that gives you a new phone number and gives you new, you know, a, a way to text people. You just have to be on Wi-Fi. That's what I'm using right now because, just because. So tell her don't turn it back on. She needs, she actually needs to, if she's, if she's staying, then she needs to cancel her phone bill and do that. You know what I mean? Like, because money is going to become so tight, bro. Like, people don't understand what is coming. They don't. And I just, I, I just have to get out. I took those tools so I could go somewhere else and start building shit so I can make a living, you know? Like, yeah. it, it's not... I get it. And I'm scared, man. And I have, but I'm, luckily there's time. Like, we've got, like, maybe, like, seven, ten days, maybe. But it's really cutting it tight because in two weeks, Palm Beach County's going to go under a quarantine because they had someone land in PBIA. It's not coincidence, bro. It's none of it's coincidence. None of it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, you know, I already... know. I know you know. So... And then, and then after that, within, I don't know, maybe three weeks, two weeks, maybe soon after that, like Florida's going to be in a statewide quarantine, you know? So then no one's going anywhere. Like in all those like middle, like, like the restaurant industry and the fucking like massage therapists and gyms and smoothie bars and, you know, all that, all those like stuff that you really don't need, but you have, all that shit's going to go, bro. They can't even survive, you know? But my, my whole thing is what's going to happen though? I can tell you, but I can't tell you over the phone. So I can break this thing down from you from the top to the bottom, but I'm not going to, and no one understands, and everyone's playing the whole fucking, oh, media's saying everything's okay, media's saying everything's okay. Yeah, no. Fucking what? It's not fucking okay. I got you. Well, just now. I'm serious about this. I'm so serious about this. I know. I understand, bro. I understand. I understand. And I can break it down for you, and and people don't understand because people are comfortable. They They want to stay comfortable. You know, well, they don't want to believe different shit either. They only want to, they want to be one comfortable. Source. They want to be comfortable because mm-hmm. because if they believe something else, guess what? They got to get uncomfortable and they got to do something fucking different. And they don't want to do that. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Change is hard. I got you. I yeah. got you. If I get, like, all this stops if I get out. When I get out, my aim is to take fucking everyone with me, Trevor. And if you don't come, you're fucking stupid. I'm telling you that straight up. Straight up. And I'll break it down for you once I'm out. But what the world, the world that we know right now, is going to be drastically, drastically different in like three to four months. You're going to live in a world with zero fun, no... you think it's bad now? you think that like feeling of like hopelessness and, and like worry and dread is going to... you think it's bad now? Wait till people don't have money. Wait till people can't pay their mortgages. Wait till companies go out of business. Like, it's going to be so bad, bro. It's going to be the ruling class and the fucking... wherever you're at, that's where you're going to be for the next ten years. You're not going to move anywhere. After listening to his brother ramble on for several minutes, Trevor finally interrupts David to question the validity of his whole Costa Rica plan. This is my question, though. Go ahead. Okay. You got it. You Okay, I'm talking to you here. You All got right. it figured out. You're going to go down south. Then what? What if, freaking, what if you need a hospital or you need help or something? You don't think they're going to lock down there up, too? What? What are you talking about? Bro, you know where I'm at? Down south? What are you talking about? Like in the jungle? Well, I'm saying, you know, you're talking about coast, though. That's all I'm saying. You have one minute left. One minute left, bro. Okay, so in the jungle, you know how long it takes to get to where I'm going? It takes 45 minutes. No, I don't. I've never been there. I'm telling you, it takes 45 minutes. It's seven river crossings. It's in the far southernmost tip of the Usa Peninsula. You can't get there unless you want to get there. That shit is so so disconnected, so deep in the jungle, no one would ever fucking find me, ever. You can hear the mania in his voice. This fear of impending government collapse 
due to COVID-19 is something he tries to urgently yet incoherently convey to his brother, expressing that soon money won't even matter and that the world as we know it was coming to an end. Anthony also exhibits clear delusions, insinuating that he'll somehow be getting out of jail and that he still plans to begin a new life in Costa Rica, as if he hadn't just been arrested for murdering his estranged wife. Another call that is most revealing in regards to Anthony's state of denial is when he asks his daughter from a completely separate relationship if she has heard from Gretchen, continuing the facade and implication that she is still alive. Can you hear me, Dad? Okay. Yeah, I can. Sorry. Uh, has, has, uh, has Gretchen contacted anyone? Do you know? Nope. No. They are thinking she's not with us anymore. No one called or they haven't been able to find her. Or... Yeah, I can't. Yeah. So. It's just sad. There's so, the news is, is crazy. The story they've been putting out, you know, missing persons and... Um, but on the news, on Facebook, it's like everywhere. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Can I do anything for you? No, I, I mean, at some point, I gotta talk to my lawyer, because at some point I need to, like, I need to set up something to help shift this narrative in my favor. Not in my favor, but just to I'll let people know there's another yeah. side of the story. So I don't know whether that's yeah. setting up, like, yeah. a GoFundMe account to help find her, or at least yeah. put something out. So that I can, um, yeah. I can start to try to figure this all yeah. out. But. He keeps talking about shifting the narrative, as if the evidence could tell any other story. He audaciously suggests creating a GoFundMe campaign in order to help find Gretchen. Several hours of phone recordings just like this were captured. On another call, Anthony is heard manipulating his mother into providing $20 towards his commissary expressing to her how brutal the conditions were in jail, yet following up by stating, quote, I don't want to tax you. I know this is hard on everyone. Again, downplaying the severity of the situation he now finds himself in. His mood shifts dramatically from one phone call to the next, and one panicking about an Armageddon to another calmly and passively saying things like, it could be worse. Well, for Gretchen and her family, things could not get any worse. David Anthony would soon be extradited back to Palm Beach County, Florida, where he was eventually charged with murder and held without bond. Eight long months later, and David Anthony would finally cave. After making a deal with the prosecution, he would plead guilty to second-degree murder, which carried a mandatory sentence of 38 years in prison in exchange for giving up the location of Gretchen Anthony's body. Soon after, she was found wrapped in a blanket in a lightly wooded area behind a nursing home, just three miles from her home. This morning, a court hearing was conducted for David Anthony, and a plea was agreed upon in exchange for the information regarding the whereabouts of the remains of Gretchen Anthony. As part of the plea, David Anthony pled guilty to second-degree murder, kidnapping, and will be sentenced to 38 years in prison. This was contingent on finding the remains of Gretchen Anthony at a disclosed location. All day, investigators have been searching in the area of Bush Road and Indian Town Road for Gretchen Anthony. At approximately 3.30 p.m., investigators located what is believed to be Gretchen Anthony. We hope that this will bring closure to the family now that Gretchen has been located. During the press conference, State Attorney Dave Ehrenberg is asked how this case has affected him and his team. His response is heartfelt and he stresses to the media that Gretchen Anthony and her family should remain as the sole focus. When you're part of this kind of case for, for a few years working on it with the men and women of law enforcement, and our prosecutors worked hard on it and dealing with the grieving family, it does, you know, it does... Uh, get to you. It's hard not to. You know, you had a woman like Jane Crane. You know, I don't mention the uh, defendant's name because I want to mention Jane Crane. That's the mother of the victim. That's Gretchen's mother. She's been suffering as a result of this. Gretchen has a 12-year-old daughter who has not known where her mother was for the last couple of years and just obviously 
you know, fearing the worst. And now at least we can achieve some sort of closure. And so, yeah, if there's some emotion in my voice, it's because, you know, we've been dealing with this for a while and, you know, it's, um, it's bittersweet today. Bittersweet. The autopsy report eventually revealed that Gretchen Anthony died as a result of multiple sharp force injuries to her neck and torso. She was stabbed to death inside of her own garage by a man she once loved. While her family grappled with this senseless tragedy, they were at least now able to give Gretchen a proper burial after almost a full year of total uncertainty. And while the small amount of closure pales in comparison to having Gretchen back in their lives today, David Anthony's day of reckoning would soon come on January 14th, 2021. Here is Gretchen's sister, Sarah Carey, addressing the court and David Anthony at his sentencing hearing. My name is Sarah Carey, and I am Gretchen's sister. It is important to me and my family that I stand here today, as hard as this is, and give my sister Gretchen a voice and tell you how amazing she was. Gretchen was absolutely a beautiful person with the biggest heart. She cared deeply for her daughter, family, and friends, and would do anything for them. Gretchen's love for her daughter is a direct reflection of how deeply Gretchen was loved by her family. My mother, father, brother, and I loved her more than anything in this world. Our hearts are forever broken. Now I would like to say some words to the defendant, whose name and being are not worthy of the air we all breathe. You are a fraud. Gretchen had a huge heart. You are pure evil. You stole a mother away from her child, a daughter away from her mother, a sister away from my brother and me, and a friend away from so many, all who loved her abundantly. You are a monster. You are a coward. You are pathetic and not worthy of happiness. One thing is definite. Gretchen believed in karma. And therefore, we can take some comfort knowing that every day you spend in prison will be as horrific as the murder you committed. You can never be forgiven. You are disgusting. Lastly, Your Honor, I would like to ask on behalf of Gretchen's entire family and her daughter that you have no mercy on this defendant and deny any special treatment that he requests every day for the rest of our lives. We have to live with the horror he has created. Members of David's family spoke as well, including his sister, who says she still loves her brother despite the horrible crime he has committed. You always hear people in similar situations say that they never could have predicted something like this would happen and I finally understand the sentiment. You simply can't, in your darkest nightmares, imagine this kind of act being committed by someone you love. And you probably wouldn't imagine that you could still love them, but you really wouldn't know until you are in those shoes. And at the bottom of a very heavy heart, I still love my brother very, very much. Finally, before the judge would make his final ruling, David Anthony himself was given the opportunity to address the court aloud. Understand my actions weigh heavy on the hearts of many innocents today. So, what do you say in a situation like this? How can my words have any weight given my crime? When will the pain end knowing that I'm the cause of it? Coming from me, what word can console a family that have lost someone so dear so tragically? Is there anything I can say that will comfort a girl who's lost a mother? Are there any words that will ease the burden of a mother who's lost a daughter? How do I offer anything of value to a sister and brother who lost a sister, friends who lost a friend? I've created irreparable damage in the worlds of people who love me. Gretchen loved me, Abel loved me, and Gretchen's family loved me. And I shun that love for the cold-hearted evil act. My addiction to and piece of medicinal grade marijuana combined with untreated mental health issues further fuel a chain reaction that led from one tragic event to the next. And it hurts so much. Shockingly, 
David attributes his, quote, addiction to marijuana as a contributing factor to his ex-wife's murder. While he may have very well been suffering from some type of mental health crisis, and his substance abuse certainly may have exaggerated certain symptoms of paranoia, an excessive amount of planning had gone into covering up this crime, despite David's claims. In his statement to the court, David Anthony still manages to deflect blame. To Gretchen's family, this was irrelevant. There was nothing David could say to bring Gretchen back. The judge ultimately handed down the imposed sentence of 38 years in prison, and justice for Gretchen, at least partially, had been served. David Anthony was nothing more than another narcissistic womanizer. He unfortunately grew up in a household where domestic violence was a regular occurrence. He was bullied and overweight during his early youth and therefore turned to physical fitness as an outlet. He gained a false sense of confidence and overcompensated for his shortcomings, bearing that residual childhood trauma that he likely never properly dealt with. He then projected those underlying insecurities on nearly every romantic partner he'd ever had, taking advantage of every woman he'd ever been with, be it emotionally or physically. On top of that, he suffered from severe depression and had exhibited several manic tendencies. He'd also shown typical symptoms of bipolar disorder his entire life. But David was above treatment. He didn't believe in exploring the responsible avenues for mental health, nor would he even entertain the conversation. Because of his selfishness and inability to take care of himself, Gretchen Anthony ultimately paid with her life. We'll never fully understand why this man did what he did. Was it COVID-19, an underlying mental health issue, gratitude training, or a total lack of control and abuse of power? As we see far too often in these cases, it's never one isolated factor, but rather more than likely a combination of all of the above. We just hope that anyone who finds themselves in a situation like Gretchen had finds a way out. But perhaps the saddest part of this tragedy is that Gretchen did get out. She knew she had to leave the relationship, and she was proactive about her situation, and ultimately she was successful in starting over. She fought like hell, but in the end it wasn't enough. Our hearts go out to her daughter Eva, the Kane family, and all of Gretchen's loved ones who have been so adversely affected by her tragic death. David Anthony is currently serving out his 38-year prison sentence. His scheduled release date is 2058, when he will be 82 years old. And if you're wondering, Kobe the dog has been adopted by a new family. He now has a real forever home, and no more animal shelters are in his foreseeable future. <laughs> 